Let's pray. Jesus, we are grateful that you are altogether good. That we get to serve a God like that. We get to look up to a God that is perfect in every way. That knows us and is fully for us. And knowing that you're in our corner, that you're right there with us even now, that you're in this place. We get to worship a God that is worth worshiping. We praise you for that. Praise you for the free will and the mercy that you give us every morning. And letting us be here right now to worship you. You don't let anybody worship you, but you let us, which is so awesome. We pray that even tonight, we can get a little closer to you. We can see you more clearly. We worship you through the song. We worship you through the intellect of our minds. Help us circumcise our hearts, cut deep the flesh, and anything that is keeping us from you, will we give that up. Any distractions tonight that's keeping us from knowing the true living God, would we just forget about it? So help us, Lord, do the things that only you can do because wanting you in itself is a holy thing. Wanting holy things is holy. And there's nothing in us that wants that. So we pray that you, the Holy Spirit, would show up. You would be in every single one of us and it would make sense. That you would make sense. So God, thank you so much again for your mercy and your grace. And help us to glorify you tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Acts 26, 16b to 18. Stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Let's pray. God, we can't pray enough. We need more of it. Uh, we have sung songs with such deep truths that we, if we're honest, uh, has still yet to sink and marinate down into our souls. We have read scripture that, uh, we, we kind of get to a certain extent, but it's not where it really belongs. It needs to get deep down into the wells of our being uh, until we feel it in our guts and everything. God, we, we want the word of God to be where it belongs. You desire truth in the inner parts, wisdom in the inward secret heart. We know that your word is alive. It's active and it has this ability to cut. So we pray this dangerous prayer that you cut us. Um, Lord, I am so thankful to be here in this place again with my brothers and sisters who are hungry in the middle of a week for more of your word. I love the line in that song we sung that you are our more. Uh, right when we think it couldn't get better than this, you, you blow us out of the water. and There's so much more of you that we don't know yet, God. We, we do. We, we need more grace, more Jesus. I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would wake us up. You would get us focused. You'd get us into the Bible. Um, there's no way the Bible can be boring. There's no way. 
The only time it gets boring is if there's a problem with us. The book's not the problem. It's our sinful, unbelieving heart. So give us faith this evening. Pray that even as we make observations and we talk about the text, that uh, we would come to life. And then as we get into preaching and teaching and receiving and hearing and living and learning, that, man, the word of God would just be in and around and through us, Lord. So do it now. Show up and uh, bless those who are hearing the word of God this evening. Lord, as we fearfully trek through this, we don't want to rush. We don't want to be hasty. We want to wrestle with this. We want to really look at it for what it's saying. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would shine on us. That you, Jesus, would shine in the darkness right now tonight. That you, by the power of your spirit, would uh, enable us to stand up on our feet. And if we're not saved, if we're truly not clear on that, we, we're uncertain, then make that certain tonight. And if we are, if we're Christian and we bear that name proudly because we know what it means, then help us to see that we're not saved to just chill. We're saved to be sent. We have a mission. And every breath we take right now is not given that we'll breathe another. Don't let us forget how fast life is. But a this, but a mist, vapor, says James. And while you have us here, I pray that everyone within the hearing of my voice right now would realize that they are commissioned, that they are sent, they have a purpose. There's a reason you got their attention. There's a reason they're here right now. So fill us, please. Send us out. There's work to be done. We'll rest later in glory. The harvest is plenty. The workers are few. So, Lord, I'm praying. Send us. Start with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys know that there's a difference between um, knowing the art of something and having the heart for something. Yeah? There's a difference between knowing the art and having a heart. Like, there's a difference between doing something and then being something. Like, we have some friends from uh, Guam tonight. You know, I could, I could look like I'm from Guam. I think I could pass. I could try my best to, to talk like I'm tomorrow. Is that the right term? Right. And I could probably walk around with them for a week and, and, and learn the art of being Guamanian. But I'm not that. Right. Just like local people, you know, you can you can try. You can learn the art of pigeon. You can you can be able to, to talk shop about certain things, but you ain't local. Right. Um, I can go through the uh, Trevor could go through the motions and explain to someone how to surf. And that person can pick up the language and even go out and do a couple sessions. But that doesn't necessarily mean that person is a surfer. Right, bro? Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? There's a difference between doing and then being. Of figuring out the art, but then actually having the heart for something. I could do husband things. I can do fatherly things to carry out my duty and still not be a faithful husband, a faithful father. There's a huge difference. So it is with Christianity. So it is with being a fishers of men. So it is with evangelism. So it is with this whole mission, this, this great 
commission. Let me tell you something that Paul says to the Philippians church in chapter two, the first five verses, he, he talks about um, their affections, their attitudes being the same. He talks about, you know, having the same inner parts. And then in verse 13, he says, you know, it's God who works in you. Now, listen, he says both to will and to work. They go hand in hand. Both to will. Like it's everything you are and you desire. It's your, it's your insides. It's your passion. But it's also your work. See, what I would hate is for the last three weeks and the next week is for a lot of us listening and, and who have come through this is to pick up just um, tips and tricks of how to do evangelism. When deep down in your heart of hearts, it's not who you are, though. Like, like even this right now, even me being a preacher or even doing teaching, like uh, pastoral ministry or whatever, just, just evangelizing, caring about the loss, me talking to my next door uh, neighbor who's a widow. Uh, I'm not gonna do, I, I don't want to do that uh, just because uh, my pastor said to, or uh, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be into being a fishers of men because it's, if, if it's about, oh, who can catch the most fish or, um, you know, it's just, it's just the right Christian thing to do. I mean, if that's us, when it comes to the Great Commission, I'm telling you, it won't last. It's not fruitful. You won't get very far. And that's not Great Commission work. I'm going to argue tonight this, that the Great Commission is fueled by the greatest commandment. You hear that? The Great Commission to go make disciples, evangelize the lost, share the gospel, share your faith, love people. It's fueled by the greatest commandment. What's that, church? Love. That's right. Love the Lord your God with what? Some? Most? All y'all. Everything in here. All your guts and everything. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. That your soul. Your soul is saturated with love for God and neighbor. Why? Because God so loved you that he gave his son. He bled and died for you in your place. You couldn't hack it. You never could. You never will. See, these are things that the apostle Paul, it sank. We're reading stuff and it's so fast, but all these big truths that we're going to see is it sank deep down into his soul where I have titled, he was commissioned in soul. He had a commissioned soul. It wasn't like, okay, you know, oh, he, he went and just tried to do this ministry thing and he was really good at it. That's not great commission work. That's not what we're trying to produce here. To be a fishers of men, to be an evangelist, to be a Christian, God needs to do a work on your will. He needs to change your heart and your mind. And when that happens, this is why last week it all connects. When you really realize you're saved, you're converted by grace. Like Paul, in this moment, we're about to hop right into the episode, like at an awkward spot. Oh, I think it's a good spot. That's why I cut it there. But we're hopping in a moment and you got to re relive the tension of like, this guy knows he deserves to be dead. He was just told flat out, bro, you sinned against me. You persecuting all those Christians, you messing with me. In this moment, he's hitting his worst low. 
and these next commissioning words, it's, it's almost unbelievable. But when you believe it, like everyone who's a Christian tonight, if you're saved, when you really believe and see how miraculous that is, but that you're not only saved, you're saved to be sent. Like think, you really are by God. There's a purpose for your life. A purpose for his glory. There's good works he prepared in advance. You're going to walk in it. There's a mission for you until you breathe your last. And you're immortal until that's done. Like when you see it and you believe it, I'm telling you, we will be fishers of men. We will go on the Great Commission. And you'll see it as great. So, I've been praying for us. I've been praying for myself as I'm ministering to people in my neighborhood. I just want this to be the overflow of who Chris is. I don't do this for reputation. I don't do this for a paycheck. I don't do this because it's expected of me. I really tasted and seen the glory of Christ in saving this sinner. And I'm stunned by it. And I can't help. I can't help but be on mission. So we're going to see, we're going to see clarity in the commission. Paul is going to give us insight as to what he's supposed to say, what Jesus told him to say. But we're first going to see, I think, just how he commissioned his soul is before he went out on mission. Um, and so we're going to walk through these things. And I hope and pray that you and I will understand Matthew 28, the Great Commission, in a much deeper, truer way tonight. So let's pick it up. So he said, Stand upon your feet. The word before, but rise, that was already miraculous, right? He doesn't humble us and knock us down to keep us down. He says, okay, rise up. But then he says these words and he uses language like he's talking to a soldier. Get ready to march. So it's already the prequel to, I'm going to, this is mission work now we're talking about. So he says, stand up on your feet. Because I'm going to send you somewhere. I see where you, you see where you're at now, Paul, but you're not going to stay there. Stand up. Histimai. Make a stand on your feet. And I couldn't help but think of Romans 10, 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And we're going to see very soon, this is what Paul's feet is going to be meant to do. He says, get up on your feet. And then he says, I have appeared to you. These are big things. Don't fly by them. Remember, there's other bros on the floor right now, right? In the glory. Paul's not alone on this. But then the word of God comes and he says, Paul, I have. And that's a good reminder. We saw that last week. God made the first move. Paul wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus came to him. I appeared to you. Personally. For this Purpose. I love these words. Tutaskar, for this reason, for this cause. I got a purpose for your life now, Paul. Christ is very deliberate. He's not sloppy with his selection, guys. He's not random. He's not like, any mini mini mo. Okay, you and church or you, you. No, I came, I found you. I'm, I'm appearing to you. 
I got a purpose and this is my purpose. See, brother, sister, you got to realize that there's a purpose for your life. This has got to marinate into our souls when we think of being fishers of men. There's a purpose for all that's going on in your life right now. He says, this is the purpose, though. To appoint you. I want us to see how personal Jesus is speaking to Paul tonight. And I want us to see how big these words are. This is the word appoint. Prokerizo means to choose for oneself. Acts 9.15, right? In his conversion, he tells Ananias, hey, Ananias, that guy saw, no, he's my chosen instrument. I'm going to use him. Remember what moment is happening right now. Like, remember where Paul is coming from. He's a sinner. He's a persecutor of the church. He's a troubled soul. I'm still thinking he's still trying to gather together that even he didn't even get judged and consumed by fire that he said, he can, I can even rise and stand on my feet. And then now to go beyond that and say, no, I, I actually chose, I wanted you. I wonder if Paul was wondering in that moment, why? Like, me? Like, well, me? I was murdering the church. And, you, and you, you chose me? You ever think like that about yourself? Like, why such mercy on me? Why such grace to me? Why are you even allowing me to stand, King Jesus? Now that I know who you are? This is amazing, guys. I'm wondering if Paul is wrestling. Why didn't you just finish me? Why didn't you just let the sword fall on me, man? Just let the wrath of God come out of me. I deserve it. You ever think like that? I want to hit this nail because I do believe that many of us, we don't go on the Great Commission one, but you don't, you don't believe you're chosen. Like you don't believe you're chosen. To be chosen is a massive thing. Paul believes it's a massive thing. He writes about it a lot. Let me read to you. First um, Corinthians chapter one, he says, hey, remember when you were first called, um, not many of you were noble or powerful. Verse 27, he says, but God chose foolish. God chose weak. God chose what is low and despised. Why? Verse 30, so that nobody can brag in and of themselves. I wonder if in this moment, Paul had a hard time believing. No, you, you're choosing me? And then he took three years to marinate and sink that into soul and his, into his soul and him finally to realize to write things like this. Like, yeah, he, he chose the weak, the foolish, the, 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 despite, the, the, the low things. And he chose, and the reason why he did it is so that when he uses us, guys, ourselves and all the world around us will know that's a work of God. He didn't choose Paul because he's like, oh, because you'd be perfect for a great commission. Jesus doesn't choose Christians the way people choose fantasy football teams. You know what I mean? They go online, they look up who has the best record, the best stats, and the best projections, the best perennial projections. Oh, this guy's going to give me a lot of points if he's on my team. No, you know how Jesus plays fantasy football? He goes to, like, the injured list. 
the waiver wire, the nobodies, the people that nobody wants to choose, and he chooses them. This is why when you look at the list of the disciples, I mean, come on, look at that list. That, been a, that must have been just a strange photo at the Last Supper, huh? All them boys, nothing really in common. They actually had beefs with each other. A lot of them insignificant, just fishermen. It's like, well, who, who's that? Well, he's chosen. You see, in this moment when Jesus says, I've appointed you, I wonder if Paul really was just, I don't know how he, I don't know how he, if he was stunned by that. So stunned, he took three years in Arabia to let it sink in. See, if you're, don't run off to go doing this Fishers of Men Great Commission work until you really take a good long stare and sit and think and realize these truths. You are saved by grace and it's nothing of you. And God did come to you. He pursued you. He chose you. That's an amazing thing to me when I look at a Christian. When I meet brothers and sisters, whether they're in this church or another church, and I come to find that they are Christian, I look at them with different eyes now. You are chosen by God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, verse 4, even as he chose us. Now hear this. Chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He thought about you and wanted you before you even knew you was a you. That just breaks my brain. Chose me before the foundations of the world? That we should be holy and blameless before him? Check it. In love, he predestined us. It's another way of phrasing him choosing us. He's determining it, predestining it. Why? Paul's, why, why me? Why are you pointing me? Why are you going to send me? Did you not realize what me just did? What I was on my way to Damascus to do? Hey, I chose you in spite of you, Paul. Why? Because I love you. I love you. In love, I predestined you. Why are we here? Why do we care? Why is there interest? Why are you coming to a Wednesday night Bible study to get into a book that's thousands of pages with no pictures? What's wrong with you? Why are you the way you are? I'll tell you what you are and why you're here. You're chosen by God. And I love that. We're chosen by God. And if you doubt and you struggle and you wonder why you're chosen, look at your book. In love. In love. According to the purpose of his will, he wanted that. Why? To the praise of his glorious grace. He's going to show off his glory by choosing a bunch of nothings and nobodies to do only what he can do. And he allows us, he's allowing Paul to participate in that commission. It's wild. This is wild. These are things that I think needed to be marinated in Paul's soul. Galatians 1, verse 11 to 18, read it later. He's wigging out and he took three years in Arabia before he went and did anything. Jesus saves the uttermost. 
and sends the most unlikely. I dig it. I dig it. The question is this, do you believe it? Does your soul believe that? Or do you have all these excuses still as to why God could never and wouldn't want to use someone like you? Well, if that's your thought, train of thought, I hope the Bible's correcting you. Because remember, guys, it's not about us. It's not about your performance. It's not, he's not choosing us because we're better looking or smarter or prestigious or popular or because of your performance. None of that matters. That was not the qualification of why he chose you, why he is choosing you, and why he wants you. This is all for his glory and out of his love for you. When will we just embrace that? That's the reason we don't, we're not fired up about the Great Commission work. That's the reason why evangelism sounds like a chore to us. It needs to sink into our souls so our souls are commissioned. So when I spoke to the widow next door today, this was not for points, church points. This is not to because it was the right pastoral thing to do. It's because I looked at her. I looked at my neighbor in her eyes, and I really wanted her to taste and see what I have. I want her to know the love of Christ. I want her to know the peace that surpasses understanding. I want her to be freed from her depression and her insecurities. I want her to be healed. I want her to know that when she dies, she will rise again, and all will be made well. I want her to know this. That's great commission sending, though, from the soul. It's not walking over and I have a script on my hip and I'm like, okay, maybe we get the right order. And hi, hi, what is your name? Yes, I'm, I live right over there. My name is Chris. And you go, go ahead. Okay. Um, it's, it's not, what is that? It's like plastic. It's weird. It's, it's, that's not evangelism. I mean, like we are to be. There, we are to be polite. We are to be cordial. We, we should have wisdom. But, but deep down in our soul, we know what we're doing. We know what we care about. We know why we're in that conversation. Paul, I appear to you. This is the purpose I'm appointing. I'm choosing you to be my servant and witness to the things to which you've seen in me and those in which I'll appear to you. Paul, you are going to witness. You're going to testify Right, Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses. You're going to witness and testify all about me and what I'm going to do. This is the beginning of his commission work. This is what your life is now, Paul. It is just so, so important for us to see that Paul is truly a witness of these things. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what salvation is? It's not just a feeling you had at some camp or an altar call. Like, it's really like, dude, you, is dest you, you should experience the wrath of God. And God's not angry at you anymore. Why? Because of Jesus Christ, crucified, risen. He's your righteousness now. You can sleep good at night. You can wake up in the morning happy. You got every reason to sing and believe and, and live now. And, and it's not done there. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you until your days are done for my glory and your good. I got work for you, young man, young woman, old man, old woman. I got work for you. This is so important that we are witnesses, guys, of this. Our souls need to get this before we talk about commission work.
the Great Commission, Matthew 28. We always are so quick to hop to verse 19, go therefore and make disciples. But let's rewind the tape a little bit, 18 and 19. Let's go to 17. Matthew 28, why don't you turn there? We don't got much verses tonight. Why don't you turn there? The first point in, in our text tonight is that Christ commissioned his soul, his soul. Remember, he's not just doing evangelism. He is an evangelist. He's not just doing these things. This is who we are. Matthew 28. Whenever we talk about the Great Commission, we're familiar with Jesus came to them, said, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Go. But rewind a little and go to verse 17. And when they, what? When they saw him. When they saw Jesus. They saw the risen Savior. They saw Christ. What'd they do? That's right. It's the witnesses. It's the worshipers. It's the ones who've tasted and seen. Man, I'm saved. I had an encounter with Christ. Like for real, for real. These are the people he said in verse 18. What? Go. I'm going to send you. Not everyone at church that came. Not all the people who just, you know, grew up in the church and attended nicely. No, it, you guys know this. You can go to church for years, for decades. You can be here tonight and not see Christ. It's just a service. That's why there's so many people out there who have experienced church services. And they're frustrated because they haven't seen Christ. And a lot of it is to our shame because the churches aren't preaching Christ. We're not displaying Christ. We're not lifting up the Bible and showing people Jesus. We're putting on a show and being professionals and flashing people with all our entertainment. And so they leave witnessing that. A rock concert, Christianized, Christianized. And, they, and, it's, it's, and Jesus is sold like a product. No, they need to see the Jesus that can save them from their wretched selves from the sin that they know they're addicted to when no one's looking in the darkness. They need to see that I really am, I really can overcome my sin. I really can be saved and redeemed. I really can be transformed from the inside out. And when they see Jesus, oh, they will worship. Isn't that so true? When, when Jesus started to allow you to overcome your sin, that's when you came to church and started singing those songs that you sang a month ago, but now you're crying. Now you're moved. Now you're like, oh, hole. Because why? You saw Jesus. Now you're worshiping. Those are the people that are being sent on the mission. That Jesus sends on the mission. Jesus came and said to them, who's them? Those who witnessed Christ and worshiped him. That's why in Acts 1.8, it says you will receive power when the spirit comes on you and you be my witnesses, Acts 1.8. Be my witnesses, not go do my witnessing. You'll be it. Are you a witness tonight? See, witnesses and worshipers, 
See, we have this thing in our head of just an image of a worshiper is just someone who's singing loud with their hands up at a particular moment of a service. That's not it merely. I sing loud. I love raising my hands. But that's not what sums up in my mind a worshiper and a witness of Christ. I've slain by the grace of God sin and, and addictions that have once overpowered me, right? I've seen it. It's wild. I don't know how it happened supernaturally. My affections changed. My desires changed. I've seen my heart come to a place of actually caring about people who are around me and being concerned for them. Are we witnesses of Christ in this way? Because if not, I don't know if your soul will be commissioned. I think personal evangelism, I think being a fishers of men, this will all sound like a chore. Another to-do list in your, your notebook to do Christian things. So before we move on, be his witness. Don't do his witnessing. Just be. I would encourage us. This point is big. Everything else flows from this. Everything else will happen if this happens. But I would encourage us, brothers and sisters, to take a, lo a long stare, a good sit somewhere, and, and just ask the Lord to commission your soul your soul okay let's we're going to blast through the rest of this verse 17 delivering you from your people and from the gentiles to whom i'm sending you jess i brought this up in observation time she hit it on the nail jesus here's the point christ commissions you and carries you or in other words he says okay i got a mission for you you're gonna go but you ain't gonna go alone bro i'm gonna go with you isn't that cool don't you love that he doesn't just say to Paul, okay, get up. I got work for you to do. Good luck, kid. Go get him. But if we're honest, doesn't that, isn't that more what it does feel like when you think of evangelism? Don't you feel like it's like a daunting task and you're like, okay, here I go. Just me at workplace and just me at the only Christian in my family. Just me, the only Christian in my school. Here I go. And you feel this sense of like... <gasps> I love this. Tells Paul, no, dude, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to deliver you. I got you. I know I'm sending you, but I'm going with you. Sneak peek, 26-22, when Acts, he says, to this day, I have had the help that comes from God. You see that? On the, on the mission, Paul knew, knows he ain't alone. Matthew 28, verse 20, the Great Commission text, right? Go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then verse 20, he says, hey, behold, hey, look at, look, look at me. I am with you always to the end. Isaiah 46, verse 4, even to your old age, I am he. And to the gray hairs, I will carry you. I will carry and save you. Do you know the nearness of Christ when you're out on the mission field? Do you know that nearness? 
And I've been reflecting a lot this week on, on, a, on a friend of mine who passed and his, his memorial is coming up. Uh, and, I, and I'm asked to share some of the eulogy there. And he's the first person I ever shared the gospel with in my life. First person. First person to ever share the gospel with in my life. And as I was reflecting on that moment, it actually started in this church, not in this room, but we were, the parking lot used to have a house up there and we called it the youth house. And I invited him to a Bible study that we had and he was so mad because he was listening <laughs> because the gospel was offensive. And he was so furious because if that's true, then that means his uncle who died a couple weeks ago may be in hell. And so my friend, I'm 17, 18 years old, I forget, but we were in high school. Um, we were juniors. And he, he, he gets up and he storms out of the church. And I remember in that moment, I'm sitting there with all the kids and I'm like, oh, but I remember thinking to Jesus, what should I do? I invited him. He's leaving angry. And I remember praying in my heart and thinking, okay, I'll just follow him. So I follow him and we walk all the way down and he's like maybe 20 yards ahead of me and he's just really mad walking away and I, he sees me coming after him. I'm like, oh, bro, what up, what up? And I start running to him and I remember praying, Jesus, what do I do? Just follow him, just follow him. I follow him all the way to KMS, Quantico, the middle school right down here. Now we're in the middle of a conversation. He's, he's just letting me have it and I, he's asking me all these hard questions and I remember this. I'm listening to him. Why does this? Why does that? Da, 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 da. And I remember in my soul, Jesus, what do I say? I'm just grasping this stuff. And, and I remember just opening my mouth, testifying, sharing, quoting verses. I didn't even know I knew to come to find at the end of that conversation, we're talking about the gospel of Christ. And I'm just speaking it. And I remember in those moments, though, as he heard it, as he believed, as he received it, as I watched him run across the bridge yelling, thank you, Jesus. I remember running back to this church, slapping every sign I could reach. My hops is not that good. So I only the ones I could reach, you know, it's pretty embarrassing. Ah, Airball. But the signs I could hit was like, I was so jazzed. And the thing about it, though, was, is I was with nobody but Jesus. I wasn't like, hey, pastor, look what I did. No, this is not about that. He was with me on the mission. So close. I love that. Do you know that? Paul is like, Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to send you to some hard places to minister to. But bro, I'm with you. I'm going to be there every step of the way. I got you until you're done. Nothing can touch you, Paul. Do you believe that? About you and your relationship with Christ? It changes all, it changes everything, guys. When you realize that the Great Commission is not a task for you and you alone. It's a task you and I get to participate in. Jesus is the one on the field doing all the work. He's just saying, hey, come follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. I know there are people you guys are praying for. I know there are coworkers and family members and friends that you're, you're praying for. I've been talking to you guys and you've been asking questions and you're burning in your heart. You want them to know this stuff. You want them to know and see who you've seen in Christ. And you're at these moments, you're at these places where I think your, your soul is starting to sense the commission, but you, you've yet to step out in faith and go and open your mouth, have that beautiful feet and go. 
guys, it's very possible to be grown up in the church, to be in the church for decades and never taste this. Never know what it's like to carry the message of Christ to people around us and to do it faithfully and in love. Christ commissions us. He commissions you, but he's going to carry you. Don't forget that. The same words of providence that was spoken to Paul are the same words that are spoken to us tonight. Verse 18. And to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. I love this. Here's the point. We're commissioned to call people to repentance. How do I get that? Well, first is breaking down. Open eyes. Is Paul going to open their eyes? It's not a true question. No. Who opens the eyes? That's right. Psalm 119, verse 18. The psalmist prays to God, open my eyes so that I can behold wondrous things. Ephesians 1, 8, Paul prays, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened, open, that they may know the hope. Jesus affirms this. Matthew 16, 16 to 18, he tells Peter, hey, when you called me the Christ, a hey, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, man. Just the Father in heaven opened your eyes to, to see that. Remember Luke 24, road to Emmaus? Jesus opened their eyes. So Paul's not opening eyes, but the spirit and the message that's flowing from Paul's lips is doing the eye opening. This open eyes is wild. It's no less miraculous than me going up to a blind man and say, see, I had a privilege of, of teaching a blind man how to surf. That's like me telling the guy, hey, open your eyes. But look around, see. It's no less miraculous than me going to the cemetery that I pray at and just start calling the names off the tombstones. Get on up. Rise, wake up, be alive. See this phrase right here, Paul, you're going to go and open the eyes. It's miraculous, guys. And how does the eyes get open? You call them to repentance. Turn from darkness to light, turn from Satan to God. These are repenting terms. Epistrepho means to turn around. Stop worshiping the fake stuff and worship the real deal. That's this word. Luke 1, when speaking of John the Baptist, it was prophesied that he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, to turn their hearts to the fathers. And what was John the Baptist's ministry all about? He was preaching repentance. Mark 1.4, John appeared, baptizing, proclaiming repentance, forgiveness of sins. To turn from darkness to light, from Satan to God. I think Kaleo brought it up in observation time. The reason, if you're, if you're, if you're going to take this commission work seriously, you're called. We're commissioned to call people to repent. Paul, you're going to have to tell people to turn. Here's the problem. We don't want to do that. Why? We scared. Scared of what? Scared of how they're going to react? Scared of what they're going to think about us? Scared that I might lose my friendship? Guys, we must not be ashamed of the gospel, and we must not be ashamed to call people to repentance. If you're going to be a fishers of men, you got to speak to the will of the person. Don't just give them a bunch of facts about Jesus. Don't just tell them the Christmas story and the Easter story and say, yeah, that, that, that's what we learned. No, you actually have to turn to them and say, so will you? 
You got you to turn to them and, and invite them to repent, to turn. Darkness. No light, no illumination. That's, that's blind living. People are in darkness. They're blind. You got to call them to light. Isaiah 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus picks up on that passage and says in Matthew 4, the people are dwelling in darkness. They've seen a great light. From that time, Jesus began to what? Preach. What did he preach? Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. The power of Satan. What, what is the power of Satan? What, 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 what power does Satan have on us or you or the non-believer? Shouldn't be on us anymore if we're Christians. What does Satan do? He condemns. He judges. He harasses. He oppresses. He shames. This is what people are living in right now. If you're going to get on the field and be a fishers of men, see it for what it really is. You're looking people in the eye that are in darkness. They're under the power of Satan. And when you and I preach the gospel and call them to repentance, that's the turning point moment that they could have. I still remember that moment as I was talking about that story when I was ministering to um, my friend who passed away, who's in glory right now, on that street corner. I'll never forget it when just, it just, it's just like something happened. He went from darkness to light. What a precious moment. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking about a lot of you guys. I, I was actually thinking of Kaleo today. And six years ago, upstairs, sitting across the table of him as he's just studying the Bible and reading it for himself. And things are clicking. And he looks up and there's just like light in his eyes. Tears are welling up as he recognizes the truth of Christ. These are those turning point moments of coming from darkness to light. Satan, you got no hold on me, man. Don't you want to see that in the people around us? Then don't be ashamed of the gospel and call people to repentance. Call them. It's not unloving because you would say, I'm, I'm just like you. I ain't no better than you. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. Why should we not be ashamed of this? It reads on that they may receive forgiveness of sins. See, we're commissioned to be ministers of reconciliation, guys. This is the atonement. This is the great powerful pardon. John 1.29, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world, we got to, if we're going to do great commission work, we got to work hard to help people really make clear that God and God alone can forgive sins, that Jesus is God, and he's the only one who's able to pardon. Why? Hebrews 5, he was sinless. Therefore, his death atones. Like, I can look someone square in the eye, and if they're with me this far, I can let them know, like, if you trust in Christ, like, no, seriously, dude, all your sins, past, present, future, clean, cleansed, forgiven. If you're a Christian tonight, I want to remind you, regardless of what you feel or what you came into this, to this uh, worship hall with tonight, you are forgiven. 
whom the Son sets free, he's free indeed. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Stop weighing that weight on you. You're, you're free. You're saved. You're reconciled to God. He's not angry with you anymore because of Christ and what he's done. This is why we can confess our sins to him. First John 1 John 1.9. He's faithful and just to what? Forgive and cleanse. Oh, forgiveness of sins. Guys, when that really sat deep into my soul, that Chris Morales was forgiven of all of the wrongs that I've thought and that I've done and that all the transgression, all the, the yucky, shameful things of my life, I can't tell you how sweet that sleep was that night. I think there may be some in the house tonight that you need to really hear this for your own soul. There are sins that you're dabbing in, that you're stuck in, that you're, you're messing with. Repent. Turn to Christ. Stop it. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. You're clean. 2 Corinthians 5, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's passed away. The new's come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now here, here's the commission. He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. One of the things I love about ministry, just being a Christian, just being on the mission field, just, just being a fishers of men. Come on. Don't you guys love what it feels like when, when there's reconciliation? You're at odds with someone you love. There's an estranged relationship in your life. There's, a, there's, a, there's someone who is a BFF and, no, and now they're not, and, and you just miss them. You know those sweet moments when you finally reunite? Maybe it's a husband, a wife, or a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a best friend, or a whatever, and a, co a coworker. It, it, there's, there's tension, and then there's that moment of reconciliation, and you're one again. Don't you know how good that feels? Can you imagine that times a trillion with your maker, with your God? To be united with God and Christ. Oh, man. Forgiveness of sins. Nearness again, closeness, nothing like it. We're commissioned to be those people, to call people to be reconciled, to receive forgiveness. Lastly, we'll bring this to a close. And then he says, a place among those. Oh, man. A place among those, a portion, a possession, a a part of, see, we're commissioned to help believers know they belong. See, if they've listened to us thus far and they've received this, like when uh, my friend who passed and we were at the corner of the bridge and he, he received Christ in that moment. Now it, it's, it's my ministry, my mission to help him realize you belong. You're a part of a family now. This is meaningful membership right here. You have a seat at the table. You're a part of the family of God. If you're converted, if you're truly Christian tonight, understand this. You have a place. You belong. You have a community. You are not alone. This is why when this Sunday we take the Lord's Supper, it's such a powerful, meaningful moment. It's your seat at the table. This is a family meal we're about to take this Sunday. 
This is for born-again believers. You have a place among those. Do you realize the weight and glory that it is to bear the name of Christ? It, it's, just, it's just wild to me. And Paul now is, he gets to be on that, in that family. And to close, who are sanctified by faith in me. Sanctified, agiatso, it's a, it's a word of to make holy, to set apart. It's a process of the Holy Spirit's fire sanctifying you more and more into the image of Christ. And this is done by faith, brothers and sisters. You are saved by grace through faith. You are sanctified by grace through faith. And I just want to highlight that we're commissioned to make disciples. See, great commission work is not about getting a decision, getting someone, getting your friends to come to a church and make a, make a formal profession, getting baptisms. That's not what this is about. For those of you who I've known for years right now, my involvement in your life, if there was any fruit of that, understand this, according to our Bible, Jesus opened your eyes. Jesus saved you. Jesus is sanctifying you. And I'm just participating in it. Great commission work isn't this. Okay, great. Now they're coming and they're attending right on. No. Oh, great. They got baptized. Oh, they remember right on. No, this is about discipleship. This is lifelong. We're all in process. We're all, on, we're all on this pilgrimage together. Great commission work is about helping them realize they belong and that this is a lifelong journey until he calls us home into glory. So all these things that we saw, making disciples, helping people realize they belong, ministers of reconciliation, calling people to repentance, all of this, guys, it ain't going to happen. You're not going to do it. We're not going to do it unless first Christ has commissioned our souls. Man, we're going to pray. We'll sing to, to solidify those things in our hearts. But I really, really, really want to beg and implore and, and invite you, make this moment count right now. Because I think to myself, this is what I was praying when I was driving on my way here. Whoever God brings tonight, whoever hears this word, if you touch them, Lord, and if you go with them, I started to get so excited to imagine how many more souls are going to be really, really loved on this week. Like how many more coworkers, how many more family members, how many more whatever it is are really going to be reached this week. Not by fake phony Christians who just want to check off a to-do list they know, but brothers and sisters in Christ who really love the lost. God's got to do this in us. So let's pray and ask him to do it. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for anointing us with energy and enthusiasm and even intensity as I look into my brothers and sisters' eyes to, to study well, but really to worship you through the study of the Bible. And I, and I pray that as we sing, and I pray that as we're praying even right now, that spirit of the living God, you would fan a great flame within us you would commission us in a way where we got to go. We got to do something. Send us out now, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for choosing us. Send us now, we pray, and help us to go together. As the Lord leads, let's go to him in song. And we pray this in your name.
Amen. message with you to the ends of the earth. Go in his peace, in your name, in his name, amen. amen.